This is Sound Business from VoiceWorks, the podcast that looks behind the mic and explores the most creative, pioneering and exciting parts of the audio world by talking to the people who are at the coalface of those sectors. I'm Jim Salverson and today my guest is Mike Walsh, UK Head of Strategic Partnerships at Serenade.co, a music technology company and NFT marketplace that supports artists who want to explore the world of NFTs as not only a revenue stream, but also as a way to deepen engagement with their fans. On this show, we're going to explore the future of NFTs, not just in the music space, but with regards to audio as a whole and discuss if this relatively new form of digital merchandise could be a way to monetize all kinds of audio products from music to podcasts to whatever. Mike is fairly new to the NFT space. I mean, it's a pretty new space in itself, so there aren't too many old hands in it. But he has worked with artists in various guises for many years as a plugger, as an artist manager, and as a music programmer within commercial radio, which, as you'll hear in the conversation we have, is where Mike and I met. This is a fascinating chat about an area that prior to this interview I must admit I knew very little about but now I'm already fantasizing about the potential it might have and it looks pretty exciting. So could NFTs be the secret monetization tool that audio craves? Let's find out with Serenade.co's Mike Walsh. Mike Walsh, how are you and where are you? Hello, Jim Salverson. <laughs> Lovely to uh, speak to you today. Yeah. I am at home. Uh, I'm at home in the northwest of England, uh, sitting at my office desk. You're definitely the closest person that I've spoken to yet. We've three episodes in. We've had people in Texas, people in Australia. But what we're cool. talking about is very much a global concept. We're talking about NFTs in music and audio, non-fungible tokens which is a relatively new phrase to me it's something that a lot of people will be familiar with but a load of people won't be familiar with as well so can you give us before we get stuck into this conversation which is hopefully going to go a bit deeper but can you give us an idea exactly what an nft is well i guess i can give you what i suppose the economic definition is so non-fungible basically means that it is non-replaceable so if you think about all the different goods and assets that exist in your life so think about currency if i was to give you 10 pounds and you gave me two fivers back then that would be an adequate reasonable replacement for what i gave you both of those things having the same value you could have millions of postcards of the mona lisa but there is only one Mona Lisa. So what that means is, is that all of the postcards are potentially transferable and fungible, but the central asset, the Mona Lisa, isn't. So I'm not saying you should think of every single NFT in existence as the Mona Lisa, because that would be a crazy <laughs> thing. But the point being that the strict definition of NFT, the non-fungible bit, is simply that. It means that the asset, which in the case of NFTs is a digital asset created on blockchain technology, that asset is non-replaceable. There is something unique about that asset. You cannot swap it for something else of the same value. People can buy it and they can trade it. And I'm sure we'll get onto that interesting and very exciting bit of NFTs use cases. But they are essentially unique items that are locked into the blockchain technology with immutable security. And what that basically means is nobody can tamper with it once it's mm. been created. So all of this happens without any human interaction. 
and I guess that's that's the that's where the token bit of the NFT comes from. Because I suppose the token word is a very kind of blockchain kind of native word, and that essentially indicates the fact that it's something that's being created on blockchain, or you may sometimes refer to it as Web three. Um, but essentially, it's a um, you know it's a very clever database that holds all of this data and has something within it called smart contracts, which we can get onto later as well. But essentially, NFTs are digital assets created on blockchain technology that are non-replaceable because they are unique. There's a lot to unpick there, and we're not going to unpick it all today, like where blockchain gets its value. What is blockchain, I suppose, as well? But let's concentrate on NFTs in the audio space for now, because that's where yourself and Serenade are focusing. How does it translate then to an audio point of view? Because you're working primarily with artists. So how do they get involved and what do they offer in this space? What does that look like from a consumer point of view, I guess? So at Serenade, we just tend to do music and music adjacent products. We don't necessarily deal in music as in actual music audio. We really, more often than not, I mean, we can. And and if artists have the right, right situation in terms of their kind of ownership, then we can. But actually, we're more about digital merchandise, kind of leveraging the artist's brand more than anything else. We describe NFTs to most of the artists that we start working with as digital merchandise in which you forever get a royalty, which is really the exciting bit of the whole technology. Mm. And this is the idea that from a fan's point of view and from an artist's point of view is kind of too good to not work because for the first time in the history of art, you have a means of the original creator of a piece of art or a piece of merchandise or indeed a piece of music receiving a royalty every single time that that asset is traded. And that is thanks to these things called smart contracts that I mentioned earlier, which is one of the uh, unique things about NFTs. So a smart contract is a bit of metadata that is locked into the asset And whenever that asset is traded, automatically, without any human interference, the original creator gets paid a percentage of every single sale for forever. Now, interestingly, that's supposed to happen in the physical fine art world. So every time a Damien Hirst gets sold, Damien is supposed to get a percentage. I forget what it is. I think it's 9% or something like that. But that very rarely gets enforced and and doesn't happen. So blockchain technology and the smart contracts that it gives offer that royalty for life on the digital asset. And I think to, to answer the other part of your question, which is what's in it for the fan, what's in it for the consumer... And don't get me wrong, I can't stress enough how new this space is. And we really are at day one of this journey. But within 18 months to two years, we think it will be a part of, if not a significant part of, pretty much every artist's revenue streams. And what's in it, and, and, and part of the kind of confidence with which we say that is because it's not just the artists that are going to love the idea of having these constant perpetual royalties. But actually, the fan can do very well out of these assets as well. And what you get when you buy digital merchandise uh, uh, through an NFT is you get a connection to your favorite artist. You are intimately linked with them because you have bought something that A, is artistically and creatively on a, a wider 
more interesting canvas, if you like, than a T-shirt or a piece of vinyl or a badge because there are so many different things you can do with the NFT because it's a digital asset that can essentially be anything. So not only do you have that kind of more kind of creative engagement that the fan can enjoy, you have the potential as a fan, if you buy something that has the scarcity that has been promised by the blockchain when you bought it, then that asset can appreciate in value. Now, you might want to keep that asset forever because you love it and it means something to you. But quite an exciting thought for the fan is that if they were to sell it, they can actually make some money out of it Mm. if they wanted to. But then what they also know is that when they sell it, their artist, their favorite artist that they purchased it from also gets a royalty. And whenever that is sold in the future, the artist gets a royalty. So the fan feels like there is a kind of um, incentive to be part of it, but also feels good about the fact that unlike vintage t-shirts that are getting sold on eBay or vinyl on Discogs, the artist is always benefiting, which is something that we think fans will, will, will appreciate and get excited about as well. From a, the point of view of the artist that is creating music and creating the NFTs in the first place, is the growth you're forecasting coming from a place of necessity? Because we all know the situation that music has been put in by digital streaming and Spotify and whatnot and the value that has been put on the songs themselves. So are we in a place where music is actually being forced into looking at new monetization models? That is a really interesting point, Jim. And we do believe that one of the reasons and, and and this is really obvious actually this isn't a belief of ours but but you know one of the one of the reasons why artists of all levels but certainly the kind of sub superstar level let's say where, where where artists need to kind of work a bit harder and engage with their audience more in order to make a living there is due to the well reported questions around uh, remuneration on streaming that they they have to steer into physical product more than ever so, you, you know, I spoke to an artist at a conference only a couple of weeks ago who wasn't doing badly, actually, probably playing to like between five to 500 to 1,000 people across the UK. You know, kind of the touring money would have been all right. But she basically said that she feels more like a t-shirt manufacturer than an artist <laughs> because in order to keep her business going and in order to essentially actually pay her rent and pay the band and make sure that everybody is, you know, doing okay, she has to design a lot of t-shirts. And now she's very fortunate that she's got a fan base that wants to buy those t-shirts and that's and that's great. But that's just one example of an artist having to almost oversteer into their merchandise lines in order to make a living. Now, one of the things that we believe that we think will change the makeup of those revenue streams is that when digital merchandise scales, it will be so much more lucrative than physical merchandise that actually we can see a reduction in physical merchandise, which also putting my ecological hat on, because I, I work with a charity called Earth Percent, which is Brian Eno's charity that brings the music industry closer to action over the climate crisis. One of the things that we have a kind of macro vision for at Serenade is that as we scale digital merchandise up, we can scale down physical merchandise, which will ultimately have a net benefit for the planet. Now, we will get onto in a minute, I'm sure, what the ecological questions are around NFTs themselves. But the way that we create them, we create them on a piece of the blockchain without sounding like too much like a crypto bro. We, <laughs> uh, we operate on a layer two Ethereum sidechain called Polygon, which is super energy efficient because it basically uses a different method of NFT minting. 
something called proof of stake versus proof of work. So our NFTs are 44,000 times more energy efficient than a traditional NFT. One NFT on Serenade has got roughly the same carbon footprint as one tenth of a tweet, which puts it which puts it into perspective. So, so not only is the, and I, I guess I'm probably answering two questions at once here, Jim, but not only is the opportunity to have artists, you know, find, create and live off a far healthier brand new revenue stream through NFTs and rely less on physical merchandise, there is also potentially a net benefit for the planet in that. Because if there's one thing we would like to see the end of, for example, it's the cassette. Because, you know, who's listening to them? And that's just landfill, for example. But it's something that it's something that artists mm. are creating as part of their physical merch line because they can. And it's just another way of, you know, in some cases, as I say, paying rent, but in other cases, hyping a chart position or whatever. We will come back to the environmental impact shortly because I admit this was a huge part, a huge knowledge gap in my understanding of blockchain that... Currently, the blockchain and cryptocurrency world takes up a thousandth of the world's energy, but isn't nearly contributing one thousandth of the entire world economy. So there's a real kind of juxtaposition between those figures there. But I want to come back to that shortly. Going back to the artists themselves for a second, I guess part of the devaluing of a music stream, a single stream, a single listening on digital streaming is because that product isn't unique so it doesn't have as much value for an apple or a spotify or a tidal or whoever it is because that music is available everywhere it doesn't have as much value to them and so they can't get as much value out of the customer do you think we'll see a scenario where music itself can become an nft so an artist might instead of releasing a song into the world a new single might release a song to one individual as this product yeah i mean that that is already happening in some cases actually it's something we talk to artists about every day i mean we are very cautious with them in many cases because we understand and and it's very important for us at serenade for example as a kind of music specialist nft business that we work with everybody in the music ecosystem from 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 major labels to to dsp partners to merch companies so we often say that we we want to be the kind of the all-round benefit company so like nobody that we work with you know at any point kind of loses out but i think it's i think it's true to say that when an artist sees nfts as a just a new format in which to release music which which is already happening and we are talking to the occ about chart accreditation which we think will happen uh, at some point next year so people will be able to so you know artists will be able to release their latest single as an nft and their latest album as an nft and it will be chart accredited and that will just be a digital file that the uh, the consumer will have on their device and, and listen to it be, it be it a wav or an mp3 or whatever whatever the artist decides to release it as but going back to your question about releasing something exclusively of nfts that is something that we do depending on the artist and depending on what their objectives are we do remind them that you know you probably don't want to totally pee off all of your partners in the dsp world especially if you're an artist of mold you know like you do you know and and also we don't want to be that part of the nft world that is all about kind of exclusivity to the point of not engaging real fans because that's a massive part of certainly what we want to do as a business and what we are doing is is nfts for everyone and being the opposite if you like of this kind of crypto whale environment where you have incredibly kind of high net worth people who have essentially accrued lots of cryptocurrency who are buying these 
super high-priced assets, which, you know, aren't always music, but sometimes are. They can be art or they can be the first ever tweet on Twitter that I'm sure you saw recently that went mm. for whatever it was, uh, several millions. You know, that all of that kind of like silly money kind of stories that was noise that actually i think put quite a lot of people off the nft space but that's noise that will that is already starting to disappear and calm down as things evolve people will realize that this is just another way in which to release and monetize art just like any other but with with all of the added value and uh, extra uh, functions that you get that you get from blockchain how are those values decided then in terms of well, you're saying there's a the first tweet's gone for a million pounds, and a song or a piece of I don't know a, a video that's recorded by an artist might go for two thousand pounds. Is it purely based on what someone is willing to pay? Hundred percent, yeah. Market forces. I, I mean, I think the distortion at the top end is led by crypto whales, who are these people of which we believe there are probably fifty in the world who have accrued a huge amount of crypto net worth. And it's to their advantage to keep buying these assets to kind of move their currency around, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So that that's the top end distortion. But even even in in the world that we're operating in, you know, secondary market sales for music NFTs, it yeah, it's you know, it's simply based on the scarcity so you know how how many were minted and what the demand was when the initial line sold out and does that mean that there are fans that missed out that are, that are collectors that are prepared to pay you know a bit more to get to get their hands on it so yeah it's just like any it's just like any any marketplace that's the market forces you mentioned earlier that you think or believe or have realized that this is something that isn't just a revenue stream for artists it's something that fans truly like can you see this world being something that is explored in the future by brands who are looking to give something back or offer something exclusive to their customers, but not necessarily seeing it as a revenue stream? Yeah, and, and, and you're actually seeing that with artists as well in some cases where artists want to, like we're talking to some pretty big artists at the moment that want to give NFTs away. Now, don't get me wrong giving away on the first sale doesn't mean that you then don't make money on the subsequent resales Mm. but the idea of gifting nfts is 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 definitely out there and in terms of brands yeah i mean we we have spoken to a number of brands and and you know it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves next year i mean as i say we are kind of strictly music but i I, you know i i see brands like i mean in america you know like taco bell did a series of nfts adidas have done nfts they are marketing opportunities. If you think of a brand as an artist, it's just another extension of their merch lines. Another one of the exciting things about the technology is the fact that you can bundle experiences or physical product into the purchase as well, which means that if you, I mean, I don't know what Taco Bell did actually, I'd have to look it up, but you know, let's say you bought a Taco Bell NFT and then that enabled you to 10% off your Taco Bells for the rest of your life, then that is a real life redeemable experience within the NFT that you've uh, that you bought. I can imagine that, you know, brands in the future will be coming up with all kinds of interesting competition mechanics around how to activate the audience to, to you know, buy a certain number of NFTs to unlock a further discount or an experience or a money can't buy price. So all of that stuff that to be honest, you and I were very well versed with when we worked in commercial radio together. Mm. All of that stuff, all of that kind of audience engagement, competition mechanic stuff, you know, NFTs can play into that space quite easily. And I think that's probably around the corner. 
Now, listening to you talk and explain it, it's basically a digital property that is exclusive to someone that isn't transferable. It feels like podcasting is a space that I don't think has explored this world yet, but it feels like it's ripe for exploration. Podcasting is always looking at new revenue streams. We've seen huge growth in the likes of Patreon recently for getting that semi-exclusive content. How does it work from a podcaster or a creator's perspective? Is it as simple as going... Right, here's a video of me doing something. Here's a GIF I've created. Here's a piece of artwork. It's now an NFT. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it will be interesting. And if it has happened and I'm not aware of it, forgive me, but I don't think you've had, and here's a business opportunity for you, Jim. Uh, I don't think we've <laughs> had the first ever NFT exclusive podcast yet, a, a podcast that is only released via NFT because that does feel quite exclusive. <laughs> and I, I believe, and you all know about this more than me, I believe that, you know, for a podcast to be healthy, it really does have to be well distributed. It's all about niche, um, niche audiences, isn't it? I mean, how niche can you get one person, NFT? So it sounds like the logical extension. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. But also, don't forget, you can have multiple editions. So, so you could have the same content and you could release 500 of them. Do you know what I mean? And they would be the same. I mean, they would all be unique in their own way in the sense that they have separate metadata in the sense that when they're bought, that is owned uniquely by the person that's bought it. But you can have the same asset essentially on you know multiple sales. So you could, if you wanted to, you could release a podcast on NFT to 10,000 people if you wanted. And then that would then be, that would then be resold and, 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 and shared and all the rest of it. But again, I guess it's not about only that person hears it because the audio could be ripped. It could be shared. You would probably want the content to be heard by more than one person anyway. It's about the ownership and it's about that buyer, that fan having that immutable kind okay. of, um, you know, sense of this is this is mine and I can resell it for a higher value if I want to do in the future or I can just keep it because I'm just a fan of this particular podcast or I'm a fan of this moment in this podcast. Because I think that's the other thing as well is that where I imagine NFTs will play well in the podcast space is if you think of, you know, the bigger podcasts having, as we know, incredibly dedicated communities around them, what's created those communities are moments. And, you know, having a moment as an NFT is something that plays really well into the space. Like the very first moment that the mics went up on the My Dad Wrote a Porno podcast, for example, or... I don't know if there's been a podcast that's that that was much loved but doesn't exist anymore, you know. So, you know, like the closing 30 seconds of the last episode of one of the greatest podcasts of all time. Just these moments that, mm. that fans would would want to own as memorabilia, really. You know, that's the kind of thing that I can imagine playing well into the podcast space. But, you know, again, we know that these bigger po uh, podcasts are like bands, you know. They, they tour... They do merch, they have, certainly in the case of podcasts, as you well know, sometimes way more fan engagement than, than, a, than a lot of artists. And that's just a merch line waiting to happen. Before we wrap up, I just want to go back to the environmental impact of NFTs, which we talked about earlier. And the energy involved in mining crypto is well documented, but probably deserves some explanation as well and it's clearly something that you and serenade are aware of because if you go to your website it's very much front and center you talk about the environmental issues and what you're doing to avoid those issues and that impact as well can you explain a little bit about why because again this is something that i think is a missing 
part of that conversation around crypto. Why is something that exists on the internet, why does it have this energy consumption and this environmental impact? And what can you guys do at Serenade? What are you doing to maybe counteract that? So the way that blockchain works is things are created on the blockchain via a consensus model. And the consensus model is essentially, and this is in the traditional process, and I'll come on to the, to the, to, to the way it's evolved and, and, and how we are using it. But traditionally, there is a process called proof of work. And proof of work is millions of computers around the world solving complicated maths equations in order to create a consensus that authenticates the creation of a new asset on the blockchain. That's how an NFT gets minted. That's how coins get mined. That's the, that's the process of creation on the blockchain. Now, what is increasingly becoming popular and a process that, that we use because we work with uh, a blockchain called Polygon, which is um, a, what they call a layer two side chain of Ethereum. We use a process called proof of stake. And proof of stake is uh, a far smaller network of computers, or even in some cases, one computer, staking some currency to say, I vouch for this asset being created. I authenticate the creation of this asset. And it is backed up by a stake. So the two different processes, one traditional and one that is becoming more popular. Um, I, you know, What we do at Serenade by using the Polygon sidechain and using proof of stake isn't unique. Anyone can do that and it will increasingly become the more popular model because it kind of has to as blockchain technology. And I don't just mean the kind of music merch NFTs that we deal with, but just blockchain technology and all of its multiple use cases in society. You know, the only way that can scale is by being more sustainable, more environmentally friendly. Because, you know, one of the things that we we all know is that we're on a, thank God, we're on a, we're on a tailwind in terms of culture that says, you know, what you're doing for climate crisis is, is somewhat of a social signifier. So, you know, there is no way that, that, that any of these businesses using the traditional blockchain model can really scale without the cultural acceptance of doing it more sustainably. And one of the, one of the things that we believe really strongly is that certainly in, in our part of that ecosystem, is that as we scale up digital merchandise because of all of the wonderful things that it can offer the artist and the fan over physical merchandise, we might have artists relying less on physical merchandise, Mm. which means that we can actually scale down the production of T-shirts and cassettes and vinyl and all the rest of it. And, you know, everyone at Serenade, by the way, is uh, a collector's. We're not a big team. There's only about 12 of us. But, you know, pretty much all of us are pretty vinyl mad, you know what I mean? So we're not the kind of people that are going to suddenly start virtue signaling about, oh, you know, you need to cut your cut your physical product lines down because, A, we know they're important to artists because they need them to, as I said, you know, sometimes pay rent, but also they're important to fans. But one of the things that does put it into perspective, which is another stat I can kind of leave you with on the kind of the eco side of things, is that when you do NFTs sustainably like we do, you would have to make... 200,000 NFTs to get to the same carbon footprint of one 12-inch vinyl, which which really puts it into perspective. Mm. So there is a more sustainable way, 
that more sustainable way will scale and the you know the most nfts in the world are currently created on ethereum or some kind of ethereum sidechain it is going to be a long process for the main ethereum ecosystem to shift from proof of work to proof of stake but it is happening it is something that ethereum 2 is promising but one of the great things about the way blockchain works is that businesses like ours can be made to be blockchain agnostic. So when another blockchain comes along, like a Cardano or a Solana, which are two very kind of hot topics at the moment, and if they're offering even greater sustainability and lower and, 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 and higher energy efficiency, then actually we can just move our business there. So we feel really passionate about getting this kind of sector to scale but doing it in the way that could ultimately and this is i know somewhat controversial but could ultimately have a net benefit for the planet and not be an ecological disaster it's fascinating to learn more about this space a space i knew very little about i've got one more question for you i'm going to save my pitch as to why blockchain powered nfts made by rock stars should be called rock chain which 100 percent is something you should be running with i'll save that for another time though instead <laughs> it's good isn't it um Give me an overview of how you see this space changing and developing over the next few years, other than just exponential growth. What do you think the developments are going to be? If we're talking about music NFTs, I think it's going to be, there will be a light on moment with the fans. And I think it will be generational because the digital nativeness of younger generations it will be so it will be so obvious to them. So let's so, so actually let me let me just I guess tell you a story. So so my nine year old daughter, I think the same age as your son, they will think it's really weird that you and I would sometimes get our friends drunk and then show them our record collection in our office because a they'd be like, why are you drinking? That's weird. And B, they'd be like, why have you got to take somebody to a room in your house? to show them your vinyl collection. Like they will just think that, they will just think that is so weird. They're like, well, why, why wouldn't you just have it all on your phone or have it in a digital locker that anybody can see? So I guess to answer your question in terms of how this will change everything, sorry, how blockchain will change everything, certainly talking about the way in which people display their taste and talk about who they are and that human desire to collect things that tell the world more about us and, and our tastes and who and how we want to be perceived. It will just seem really weird to younger generations who are way more digitally native than you and I that we did anything in the physical world, which is so limited and inconvenient in terms of who sees it and how and when they see it. Why wouldn't you have all of that displayed in a way that anybody can see at any time. And I suppose the younger generation, as you say, we've got children the same age, it's like the likes of Animal Crossing and Minecraft and even FIFA cards are kind of leading up to that acceptance almost. Yeah, totally. So they're already in the NFT space, even if they don't know it, because if you're on Roblox and you're buying outfits or if you're in Fortnite and you're buying weapons, they're, they're all NFTs, essentially. Mm. They are just digital merchandise that exist, funnily enough, via some kind of non-traditional currency. So that's two things that they'll find really natural buying things in the digital world and we've had an entire conversation here jim and we've not mentioned the word metaverse <laughs> but you know them you know them spending more time in the in the digital world let's call it the metaverse and buying and trading digital assets within that world whilst using non-traditional currency that's them already doing everything i'm talking about 
it's fascinating. I feel like there's a load I still need to know about this space. I feel like I need a little bit of a lie down to take in everything you've said, but really interesting to learn <laughs> about NFTs, what they can do for audio, art and music. If people are feeling like me, they want to learn a little bit more, they want to see what Serenade can do, where's the best place for them to go, Mike? Yeah, so they can just go to serenade.co or people can hit me up on social media if you wanted to include the tags uh, on that, Jim. I'm more than, more than happy to do that and have conversations with people individually as well on a mission to just kind of spread the word about the space, really. I'll put all those links and tags in the podcast description, but Mike, really appreciate your time on Sound Business. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Jim. Thank you very much for listening to Sound Business from VoiceWorks. A really interesting conversation with Mike Walsh from Serenade.co today. There is still so much I don't know about the world of NFTs, but already my mind is racing about the possibilities, particularly within podcasting, which feels like a really untapped potential market. If you want to find out more about Serenade, the website is serenade.co. As Mike said, you're welcome to reach out to him on social media. His Twitter is at Mike Walsh Music. All these links I will put in the podcast description, along with the links to VoiceWorks as well. If you want help with your audio strategy, be it NFTs, be it audio branding, podcasting, voice SEO, voice tech, whatever it is, then VoiceWorks can help you with that strategy. Go to the website, get in touch, and we'd be delighted to have a chat. Plus, make sure you've subscribed to this podcast. There's loads more conversations on the way with some leading lights in the audio industry. So hit subscribe, hit follow, wherever it is you find your podcasts, and I'll see you for the next Sound Business. Sound Business.